Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Hi, this is Kim from the Wingate in Missoula. If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, we want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, the Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula. Welcome back. It is Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television. Want to listen live to the show on your various mobile devices, your laptop, your cell phone, your tablet, whatever you might prefer. It's easy. All you got to do is go to 1029ESPN.com, click on the Listen Live tab. There you'll find the stream. The stream is presented by Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to give us a call or shoot us a text, that's easy too, 406 361 3688. That's 361 3688. All guests join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, please go check it out on the podcast. You can also find the podcast on the station website as well as all your various podcasting platforms. The podcast is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications as well as the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Happy now to be joined in studio. Krista Redpath still here, our women's basketball uh, Big Sky Conference analyst, as well as now Megan Harrington. I think we call you a friend of the show now, right? This is like your third appearance on, on Nuanas. Now, now, I guess it was two telling Nuanas before. So now you're, this is your Celebrity deb- guest. This is your <laughs> debut on now on uh, Nuanas. Now, thanks for coming by, Megan. I love being called a friend of the show. I will take that. So thank you for having me. Glad of, to be here. Of course. This is an exciting week for you. So uh, about a year ago, the... Mm-hmm. The documentary, The House That Rob Built, debuted at the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival. It's a documentary about Robin Selvig and his awesome contribution to the fabric of the sporting community in the state of Montana, specifically as the head coach of the Lady Grizz uh, women's basketball team here at the University of Montana in Missoula. And Coach Selvig is, I think he has a special place in pretty much anybody that he's been around's heart. I mean, he was the first guy I ever covered when I was working at the Montana Cayman back as a student journalist. And uh, yeah, he's a guy that, because he was around for so long, had so 
much success. He touched so many lives. But just tell us, what was the, the initial motivation, besides just the broad, obvious point that Robin Selvig won 865 games and hung, you know, dozens of championship banners, why else did you want to make this documentary about this legendary guy? Well, I grew up in Missoula, so I had the fortune of looking up to these female role models, and I realized through the course of making the film that was pretty unique, that that wasn't happening all over the country at the time. So I knew firsthand, being one of those little girls with a dream, and being able to achieve that and play for him, what an impact it had on me, and, and the impact it had on the community. And you know, sometimes we go all over the place to find these stories, and right here in Missoula, we have an incredible story about the growth of women's basketball, about the dawn of Title IX, and what happened after that, and built on the backs of women who paved a way for the next generation. So when he retired, and we knew there were over 100 people coming back for a surprise party. He did not. We thought, okay, you, you have to capture that moment. And so that really was the moment where he got, okay, we've got it. We've got to do this. And that really brought it full circle with all the players coming back from all different generations and eras. Oh, yeah. It, it's a, the best way I could put it in perspective is that my family moved to Missoula in 1993 when I was still in elementary school. And as a little kid, I had no idea that women's basketball wasn't the biggest thing because it was absolutely the biggest thing in Missoula. At that time, the Grizz hadn't won a football national championship yet. The early 90s, you're talking about the, I mean, Dahlberg Arena was 8,000, 9,000 people. I mean, the Tennessee came to Missoula. But as a little kid, you didn't even know. You were just like, oh, women's basketball is the coolest thing in the world. And I think that's the testament to Rob, right? Oh, absolutely. It's a testament to him and then the women he empowered to model it for the next generation. And Chris and I both know we were both at that game, too. The Tennessee game, 1995. Tell me another place around the country that had over 9,000 people right. showing up for a women's basketball game. And we were sitting there. I, you remember? I know. I was like, looking around going, I can't believe I'm going to play here. This is, this is crazy. I was with Kathleen Howard, my high school coach, and my dad. And I'm going, wait, is this really going to happen? Wait, so, Chris, your official visit was at to the Tennessee game, or you just, you just I, happened to be there? We, I was already committed, but we were there just over as guests of the Lady Grizz to watch the game. I mean, they gave us tickets, and I just thought was my, one of my first, well, I'd been to other games, but one of my first official games is already of committed to the Lady Grizz, and what an experience. She committed early, Coulter. They grabbed her early. She's <laughs> your player of the year, so you got to grab her. I love yeah. it. I love it. Well, we are going to get into more about this documentary and it's it's released here in a moment but here is a little soundbite from our Grizz Greats podcast that we did with Robin Selvig and this is sort of addressing the very beginning origin points Robin Selvig took over at the University of Montana in 1978 and at that moment Montana had only had women's basketball for a couple of years Title IX had just been passed within the last handful of years and it really was a pioneering program. Not a lot of places in the country had it, women's basketball, specifically out west. So here's a couple thoughts from Robin Selvig about just the, the origin of the women's basketball program at the University of Montana. Did you think that maybe the high school route would be a career route where you might stay on that track? Or was that a place where you're like, hey, I can get some experience and kind of see what comes up? Yeah, I, I would, wasn't even thinking ahead. That was what I was going to do is coach in, uh, in high school. And I actually thought I was taking the boys' job at the time, uh, and the coach there uh, decided to coach another year, Zuni McLean, good friend of mine who's since passed away. But uh, I'd be home in the summers and playing with the, the guys up there stuff, and I knew they were going to have a great team. We won a state championship at Plentywood, I think, my second year there. But uh, the superintendent called me, and after I had accepted going to Plentywood to coach and asked me, uh, say, Zuni's going to coach another year. Would you, buy, would you be interested in taking the girls? And 
I said, sure, I'll, I'll take the girls. So that's how I got into women's basketball. How long had there even been a girls team? Just a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was just started. was 1972, I think, when Richard Nixon signed into law. I think people started picking up girls' sports, I think, 73, 74, so it must have been... I think they had high, high school basketball for two years up there before okay. I got the job. I, uh, uh, it was it was just absolutely beginning, mm-hmm. and uh, but I had a great high school experience. I had young ladies that uh, were so wanted to learn and, and grow, and, and uh, they believed everything I said, uh, and, uh, you know, I had a good experience with them. A lot of people thinking they're going to get a job and then not getting that job, getting a different job, maybe don't take that job or, uh, you know, feel one way or another about it. Why Why were you okay with that? Why was that something that you, you know, still were happy to, to do? Well, it's from home, really. Outlook's 18 miles sure. from Plentywood, and my wife had gotten a job uh, at the in, in the grade school there, and I probably was thinking, I'll, you know, Zuni's probably going to go one more year, and I'll coach whatever. Well, uh, coaching was coaching. I enjoyed coaching the ladies a great deal. They they played really hard, and we, we ended up going to state my third year there. We were actually a Class A school then, which plenty was down to Class C now. That's how few of there are. We were the smallest Class A school. But I enjoyed it, and uh, it just, I'm not someone that was really thinking down the line, oh, I'm going to end up being a college coach or pro coach or anything. I just had a team to coach, and I coached them. After getting done playing Division One basketball yourself, what was the biggest challenge learning how to coach not only girls but high school girls? Yeah, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't even approach it any differently than you know. I coached guys, obviously the freshman team, and we coached at camps, and we'd coached women at camps. Women were starting to have uh, basketball camps. I had three sisters, uh, two of which uh, one played college basketball, one played high school, one never had a chance to play because there was no women's high school basketball. So, uh, to me, there was no difference, and uh, I didn't approach them any differently. I had the same demands I would have out of out of any, and uh, uh, I had a great career there in terms of the uh, thinking a great deal of players and good relationships with them. And I really was fortunate in one deal. I mean, seriously, they they were so ready to learn. It was a new opportunity, and I could have said, "Shoot it." over your shoulder backwards is the way you should do it. And they said, okay. Right. And, uh, but it was, it was a little interesting because, you know, I had a couple, I, I, I remember one gal came and said she was going to miss practice the next day because she had to clean the house. And I said, no, that's probably not a reason you get out of practice. But they, 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 they loved the opportunity. They took, and, and it was the same when I got to college. I mean, this was a new opportunity for them and they made the most of it. There was no, questioning what the coach was saying or we deserve this or I deserve that. It was, man, we're thankful for the opportunity and let's make the most of it. So there you are at Plentywood and enjoying it and your home. And then uh, uh, an opportunity comes from Mike Montgomery to hire you because he had become what I guess the czar of basketball at the University of Montana with those powers and and it was I guess you and Tara uh, uh, Vandermeer who were kind Vandermeer. of the final two for for that spot how did that transpire what what made you want to come back to the university for well that? it was interesting because when I first thought of it the job was was open and and uh, both my wife and I loved Missoula and a chance to come back here but you really didn't know what was going to go on with college women's basketball. It was in its infancy, but the chance to get back here. Uh, and uh, I had a sister that was playing at Flathead Community College who was going to transfer over if I got the job. 
And uh, anyway, I just loved, loved Missoula. So it was an opportunity. It was a teeny bit more money than I was making in high school. And, uh, you know, Mike, as you said, was our, our program was different than Mike was in charge of basketball. So he was, if you made a diagram of it, it was men's and then women's yeah. underneath it. But Harley Lewis was the athletic director right. who I knew very well. And uh, he was uh, actually doing the hiring. I wouldn't have got hired if I uh, hadn't convinced Mike that I'd be okay to hire. So I interviewed, and there was not only Tara, but uh, Sue uh, or Pat Dobratz was another one that was after the job, and she ended up getting the job at Idaho later on after Tara went to Indiana, and she had a great career. I played against her. She was a very good coach, too. So there were some real good candidates, and uh, I, you know, just interviewed and uh, sold myself as best I could, That uh, and... Uh, you know, end up getting the job. There's a lot that goes in between getting the job and <laughs> 38 years later. <laughs> 38 years and 865 wins later. It is Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide SWX Montana Television. Megan Harrington and Krista Redpath, both in studio with me. We're talking The House That Rob Built, the awesome documentary about the University of Montana women's basketball team and specifically the architect of that dynasty. And so, Megan, as somebody that played for Rob and has been around him for a long time, what did you learn? Was there anything new that you learned about him and the program in the uh, the creation of this documentary? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think I had really grasped what happened because you're in it. You know, I think even as a community, really what happened here, the number of years, 21 seasons, the number of appearances in the NCAA, right. the 865 wins, 286 losses, what he was doing at a time that was abnormal around the country. He was making women's basketball the the thing to watch in town, which is very unusual. I also learned just personally about him things that I found uh, that made me, you know, kind of stop, which just happens in documentaries. We're, we're talking about true stories and real mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in one particular situation when he talked to his wife talked about, it was difficult for him, even a win, even a big win that a player didn't get in the game. You know, that's a unique thing for a coach. The pressure to win, the all the pressures that are coming down on them in every aspect, and to care how someone might feel because they didn't get in. So he really was, he focused on making sure everybody felt part of the team, regardless of your role. And that he hurt his knee. When Judd Heathcote right. said that he hurt his knee or he probably would have gone to the NBA, I thought, okay, well, what if he would have gone to the NBA? Right. Where, where you know, where, where would, we would we all be? be? And you know, history history was written from that moment. So I said, the, the worst thing that may have happened to him in that moment, look what it did for an entire generations and generations of women and a community and a sport. So uh, it was a reminder to me that sometimes, you know, those details that we think are the worst can turn out the best. That's the old, uh, that's one of Selvig's favorite jokes that he's always told me was that Judd Heathcote says he's so blessed to have coached Ro- uh, Magic Johnson and Robin Selvig. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's Rob's. That's a tough crowd. Did, I'm going to find that soundbite in Judd's interview. Uh, yeah, I love it. So uh, also, did you know that Robin had an opportunity to take a spot on Judd Heathcote's staff once upon a time? There's another mm-hmm. moment that could have been, yep. that completely changed the arc of history, right? But he said, you know, I didn't, I, at the time, I didn't feel like moving to Michigan. I felt like I wanted to live in Montana. So it's amazing how these things uh, work out. 
I, I also think that Robin Selvig, he had so much success that he almost made it commonplace. That was the standard, right? Mm-hmm. It, no one even really knew how unusual it was because it was just the way that it was year in and year out. And I think that's another thing that this documentary just sort of affirms is that nothing lasts forever. And it's not just mm-hmm. perennial trips to the NCAA tournament, right? It's not a given. It's not a given, Mm-mm. right? And But Selvig was so unbelievably consistent that it was a given. I mean, every person that played for him that finished their career made it to the NCAA tournament. That is an astounding stat. <laughs> there were some hard-fought battles, though, when I look at our years. I mean, there Absolutely. there were some games that oh, it was sure. up and down, and I mean, there were some there was some good ones in there. Oh, and the trips to the NCAA, yeah, you you find a team that has everybody. That's a, that's a staggering statistic. It's I mean, amazing. We went to four, Megan. We I mean, did. That's, that's incredible. And we won four, as I remember it. We yep. got to the second round four times. No, we didn't. Oh, well, <laughs> that, see, that would have been even more amazing. <laughs> yes. So t- tell us about th- just this last year then. I mean, this is obviously something that's been tremendously received around this community, this state, and, mm-hmm. and broadly as well. But, I mean... How, how has the last year been since you, you released this documentary initially at the Big Sad Documentary Film Festival? Well, it's been, well, an odd year for everybody, but right. it has been in many ways that it was great timing for being, because we weren't in production, we were marketing and distribution. So we landed a distribution deal with 1091 Pictures. They are formerly The Orchard, which was a great opportunity for the film to get get out there in a bigger way. And their response, like you said, the, the, the festival, you had to be there in person to see it. And what I'm really excited about is for this to be available for anybody at home to be able to watch it, that it's going to be out in the world and more people can see and experience and be in part of this story. Whether you're from Montana, which hopefully you have that connection, but outside of Montana, it's really a story about sports, about life, whether you're in Massachusetts or Montana, like sports is able to do, hopefully you can relate to this with the human perspective of what it's bringing. It touches on so many of the uh, prominent issues of the day, too, right? Mm-hmm. Equality, opportunities for minorities. I and mean, I think that was one of my favorite parts of the film. Was, yeah. I mean, Robin Selvig recruited so many great Native American basketball players that were went on to have such great success for the Lady Grizz and were fan favorites. And again, I think that the brilliance of the entire program, and then the way that you conveyed it in the documentary, too, was that it, it never seemed unusual within the moment. It was just mm-hmm. made it seem as if it was common as well. So uh, that's a very cool element as well. So tell people now, I mean, you're you're here because the pre-sale is going on for this documentary right. and it'll make its, uh, I guess, world premiere release next week, February 23rd. So mm-hmm. uh, just tell people how they can go about getting their hands on this thing. So if you go to the house that Rob built movie.com, the house that Rob built movie.com, you will be able to right now, yes, you can pre-order, but February 23rd, there will be information about purchasing the film or getting a Blu-ray or DVD. So, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody's sick of what's on Netflix and they've watched a lot of different things in these moments. So here's a story, uh, a story of our own that we hope resonates nationally. Well, I know we have a lot of new people here in Western Montana and the state of Montana in general that maybe uh, weren't here in the state when Robin Selvig was the coach. So I encourage anybody out there that's new to the state, if you want something that's going to teach you about the fabric of Montana just in general, this is a documentary you certainly want to see. Krista, you... uh, have been involved in this as well, and you obviously played for Robin Selvig too. What sort of things did you learn when you watched this documentary? I mean, it must have been a meaningful experience to sort of relive it all. It, it was interesting. I, went, I liked the small town reference, the small town, the one-room schoolhouses, and these were all my friends. So the Malta, you know, Greta, Skyler, they're my friends. I didn't really think of Malta as small as it really is. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. to watch your teammates in another light, come back in and talk about 
uh, what Rob and what the program did for them in their professional career. I mean, we mm-hmm. had a lot of Lady Grizz that have gone on to do great things professionally. And to see that and to, to watch the collective friendship that we have through many different generations and eras. And there are different groups within the Lady Grizz based on teammates and years, but that we all share something mm-hmm. very similar. We all had the same coaching staff which is incredible Mm. when you look at that for the longevity. And so all of our memories had the same base. So we might Mm. be different years, but when you talk about Rob's system or you talk about his inside jokes with Shannon or Annette or Trish, it was all, Mm -hmm. all of us were the same. Right, you could talk to people that played 10 years before you or 10 years after you Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing, right? Yes. That is interesting. So from, from both of your individual perspectives, what sort of impact did playing for Robin have on you personally and professionally? Well, I think in so many ways that sports teaches you about life, about working within a team, about working with people's strengths, working with your own strengths and weaknesses, about moving towards a goal together and a common vision for what that looks like, teaches you sacrifice and discipline and perseverance. Like when you think you cannot give any more to something, find a way to do that and get it to the finish line. It translates like anything, whatever your extracurricular activity or whatever your passion is, whether it's dancing or the arts or band, whatever it is, music, being part of that teaches you so many things about life. And outside of my kids, it's the best decision that I've ever made because I had no idea Mm -hmm. when I committed to the Lady Grizz that I was committing to a lifelong um, friendship, lifelong Mm -hmm. relationships. And what Rob's meant to me, I mean, he's a great friend to me now, a mentor. I go to him even Mm. as I'm getting ready to call the games in Boise, he'll be the person that I meet with and he'll still know everything about the teams and he'll be able to rattle off Mm. things that I'm like, how do you even keep it all (laughs) straight? And I'm just blown away. But he's just so humble too. So So he's not someone who Mm -hmm. actually asks for fanfare. He actually hates it when you talk about (laughs) the things he's accomplished. I, I know he is interesting that way. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to bring it back to him at all. I mean, it's just all the other people that are around him. Mm-hmm. It is a fascinating dynamic. It is Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Megan Harrington and Krista Redpath each in studio with me talking about the house that Rob built, the awesome documentary about the Lady Grizz basketball program. And I think that that's where you hearken back to when you're talking about Robin Selvig always is the fact that he never made too big of a deal about anything. It was mm-hmm. it was never the most grandioso accomplishment. Mm-hmm. It was never too high or too low. Everything was just the way that it was. And I think he doesn't ever want to take credit for being a pioneer, and that's why he's a great pioneer, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that, that he never wanted to take credit for uh, providing opportunities for uh, you know less fortunate or minority athletes. He just wanted that to be the way that it is. And I think it's it's a lesson that we can all learn, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you normalize and... and uh, everything is more streamlined rather than being too high or too low. It seems as if that is the way to truly have a transcendent impact that lasts for decades, right? Oh, absolutely. The way he was able to deal with individuals and personalities and bring people together, it, it, it was remarkable. It's an intangible. It's that, it's that missing, it's that, it's that intangible that a coach has to and, do that with the team. And strong personalities. I mean, he was dealing with some, right. you know, I mean, lo- right here. Yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of players that he was able to put into positions to have success. But on the other end, or the other side of it is, he didn't put people into positions that weren't, or players, that they wouldn't um, experience success. Right. He was able to see yeah. where they could fit mm-hmm. and to be able to mold these personalities together and, and to create that type of longevity with winning is incredible. 
So now I've heard that you two are uh, kind of pranksters during your playing days. No, no. And I would give that nothing. Not I would give. Is this, is this over? I would give so much to watch <laughs> in real time someone actually playing a prank within Robin Selvig's program and have <laughs> his reaction. Because he's just so funny anyways when he gets mad. I mean, it was one of the great allures of going to Dahlberg Arena, right? was the Robin Selvig show. Right. Uh, the exasperation on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. But it had so much authenticity, and I think that's everything about Coach Selvig. He's he's so authentic in all of it. But tell us a couple good stories about the pranks, maybe. You well, we had play. a lot of fun while we played, mm-hmm. and and little do you know, Coulter, this is not our radio debut. Okay, so back in the day, um, this is not Megan's. This is not mine. We are comfortable on the air because when Rob was doing his radio show back when we were freshmen, I don't even know how we did this, being so bold. I don't. I don't but, know. But you know, Coach Selvig had a couple one-liners. You're the worst offensive rebounding team in America. He's thrown those out. Sure. We know this. But we would disguise ourselves um, as fans and call into the radio show and say, you know, Coach, your your girls are just so good at offensive rebounding. <laughs> what do you do? And we'd disguise ourselves. And he just would stammer on the air, like, what is going on here? Like, I just told these girls. And he'd come up with an answer. But we love to do things like that to him on the radio. <laughs> Any other good ones, Megan? Uh, yeah, well, I think along the same lines is... Um, you know, you're, we got concussions, or I think the, the, the rebounding, you're the worst rebounding team in America, and somebody had got a bunch of concussions. or so had got, I got a yeah, concussion, you. but we, there were a couple of us in a row there that seemed to have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we would call in and ask, you know, do you think the girls need to wear helmets, and they're just <laughs> the best rebounding team in America, and you could just, we would say the exact opposite of what he had said, and you could see, even if you knew it was us, he can't. Say he's on the on radio. The he he's, can't he's go. Uh, he did once actually. Thought he was whispering, and he told Sherry, "You don't know that's them, Sherry." But you could hear it because because he yeah. was on the radio actually saying it. So you know he's kind of in a no-win situation, and we got you know, a little revenge, I guess you could say. But he's a good sport. He has a great sense of humor. He does have a great. Not sense necessarily of humor. during season. I wouldn't say he has the best sense of humor. Or the game. Season. Or yes. the game. Yes. Uh, certainly. Well, Megan. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming by. But just remind people, how can they get their hands on this documentary, uh, either pre-sale or in its world debut release next week? If you go to the house that Rob built movie.com, the house that Rob built movie.com, you'll get details on right now. It's pre-order next week, the 23rd, it'll kick off. And I just hope, you know, for those Montanans that are listening, that, that you feel proud of this story because it really was remarkable what happened in the sport of women's basketball in our state. In the state and around the Big Sky Conference as well, and I think mm-hmm. that that another it's another huge testament to the legacy that Robin Selvig uh, leaves behind. Here in about five minutes, we're going to hear from Seton Sobolewski from Idaho State, and the the impact and influence that Selvig had on the Big Sky, which then influenced sp- specifically Idaho, Idaho State, and Montana State, but the rest of the league as well to really invest in women's basketball. It raised the level of everybody. And I mean, I've talked to John Newley about this specifically. He told me that when he was at Idaho State originally and then at Idaho, he was building his teams to beat the Lady Grizz zone. That's where John Newley became so enamored with three-point shooting. And they were the, they became kind of the pioneers of the three-point shot in the Big Sky Conference, at least with the prevalence that they were shooting it at. And he took that style from Idaho to Idaho State and then, or excuse me, Idaho State to Idaho. And Susan Sobolewski, they've played such physical defense. And he's told me many times that's because of the way Robin Selvig did things. You know, and Trisha Benford, she had to battle for the first 10 years of her career to in-state recruiting battle. You know, hyping up, getting people in the seats. And now all of a sudden, look where we are now. She has the opportunity to maybe be the next Robin Selvig. I mean, it's impossible to ever win that many conference titles or, that, or you know, have the, the heights that the Lady Grizz once reached. But 
Montana State has that hierarchy too. So just from a competitive landscape standpoint, I think that uh, he had a, an enormous influence as well. Ladies, this is so great. Thank you Thank so you. much. Yeah, if you have one more thing to add, that's well, totally fine. I was just going to say, I want to piggyback on the Big Sky Conference. And while it's a story that I hope the state's proud of, it's regional and national. For sure. Like, what happened here is a national story. So we encourage people, if you see it, you like it, share it with your friends across the country. Share it with your little, your young, your AAU teams, your high school teams. This is what sports and team and community and family is all about. And can we build houses across the a nation like the one that Rob built? It's a wonderful story and something all of us Montanans should be very proud of. You got to get out because Seton Sobolewski, one of those guys that was heavily influenced by Robin Sovic, he's the head coach of the Idaho State women's basketball team. He'll join us right after this on Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Thanks. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Happy Thursday, everybody. It's 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide SWX Montana Television. Listen to Juanez now, your one-stop shop for all things sports across the great treasure state. Speaking of the treasure state, it's all of a sudden winter, and that's a good thing if you're a skier. Now is the time to get out to Lost Trail Powder Mountain. Conditions are great. Lost Trail has something for the whole family. Beginner runs to expert-only terrain. If you're looking to up your ski or snowboard game, Lost Trail has excellent snow sports schools with fully certified instructors. They also have directions, trail maps, lodging, info, conditions, all of it available at LostTrail.com. They're open right now from Thursday through Sunday, 9.30 a.m. until 4 p.m. Mark your calendars for their season pass four-day-only sale March 4th through the 7th. You can also find info at LostTrail.com. Lost Trail, go for the snow. Well, we're going out of the Rangers Brothers RV phone line, but uh, we're continuing to innovate here on Nuanez now. We did a remote from an iPad on Monday now. We're doing a phone interview via a Zoom with Idaho State head women's basketball coach, Seton Sobolewski. Coach, thanks so much for being with us, and thanks for coming back on the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Coulter. Thanks for having me on, man. So this has been uh, a, a fun league to cover this year. The women's league has been, and there's been uh, some teams that maybe have been some surprises. I mean, Montana State has been definitely a surprise with how young they've been, but it's been really fun to watch kind of the two front runners in Idaho, Idaho State and Idaho, and you guys had a great battle last weekend with the Vandals. So just take us through uh, the series last week. And you guys won the first one in Moscow. I know it gets the second one, but uh, I mean, probably the best conference tests your team has experienced so far this year. Oh, uh, for sure. And, you know, Idaho's got a great team and they've lost some players, you know, to, to uh, graduation. And, you know, Lizzie Klinker was a great player for them. But uh, then they had Harrington, who really picks up the slack form a lot of different ways. And, uh, the intensity level of both those games is really high. You just didn't feel like you can make hardly any mistakes uh, in terms of defense. You couldn't leave someone open. You you couldn't have a breakdown. It was going to lead to a basket. And uh, it, 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 was, it was tough two games, tough really two games. And both of them came down to the fourth quarter and back and forth. Both, both teams had double-figure leads that they saw vanish uh, in both games at different times. And uh, even in the fourth quarter against uh, uh, in the second game, you know they didn't they didn't pull away until about four or five minutes left in the game, where 
we just couldn't hit shots, made a lot of, had a lot of tough mistakes and, and, um, but it was, uh, it was a battle and it was a tough place to play, you know, that the old gym up there and, and, you know, newly doesn't lose much up in Moscow and it was, it was a battle. First league loss for your team. So how do you hope you guys rebound from that? I mean, it's pretty much impossible to go undefeated in a, in a conference like the big sky conference. But uh, I mean, what do you hope to build off of after, after suffering your first league loss? Well, hopefully it relieves a little bit of pressure. You know, no matter how you ignore it, <laughs> there's, it's still looming that you have 14 games, 14 game win streak. And when's it coming? Is it going to come, you know, instead of uh, just, just playing and um, you know, so hopefully kind of relieves some pressure. It, it uh, brings us a little bit back down to earth and, and gets us uh, focused on the next game and playing harder and and um, seeing if we can build another streak. The league this year, what's your overall impression of the league this year? Because uh, I do that last year was such an interesting league. There's only really two teams in the league last year that were any sort of old, and Montana was only kind of old. Montana State, really old. They had five seniors. Yeah. But a lot of the teams in the league had all these really talented non-seniors, and I just I felt like that, that was going to transition into this year being such a competitive year. What have you thought of the way that the teams in the league has sort of evolved? I think it's, it's lived up to it a little bit, and you're absolutely right about last year. You know, Montana State was like the varsity team in the junior varsity league. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they were just older than everybody else and uh, experienced in multiple fifth-year seniors, and that makes a big difference. But, um, you know, I think COVID, unfortunately, has taken a little bit away from this year. Uh, and, and what it could have been in, in terms of uh, the young talent, like you just described, coming up, and now they're older, and now it's going to be a battle. Um, you know, you, you look at Southern Utah's only played five conference games to this point because of COVID issues, and and um, there's been enough disruptions there. And then, you know, Northern Arizona, who I thought was going to be really good this year, and they, they have some tremendous talent. You know, they have uh, two, three key players that are out. You know, they're, they're, they've either opted out or they for health reasons. And, you know, Rashid has got a, uh, a knee that she had scoped and she's not at a hundred percent. So that's kind of, you know, put a wrinkle in, in Northern Arizona, but um, you know, it, it's, it's still been a, a fun year and it's been tough and competitive even with that. But it, I think it's, it's dampered it a little bit. I know state head women's basketball coach, Seton Sobolewski joining us here on Nuanas now. Hey, coach, let's talk about your team. First of all, your roster construction is fascinating because you have young ladies from all over the world. Uh, but just the build-up to this year, I know last year you, were, you weren't going to really be that old of a team, and then your only senior, Estefania Ors, gets hurt. And now she's back, though, and now you're all of a sudden a veteran squad. So what's the evolution of your team been like to reach this point now where you guys are you know, a top-20 team in the, in the mid-major poll? Yeah, you know, I'm very proud of our team last year. You know, you, you lose Estefania, like you said, and then, um, you know, you start establishing some type of rotation and, and um, you know, team chemistry. And then Tamika Whitman, a really good freshman, goes down with a stress fracture in her foot. And, and so you scramble again. Your bench is getting thinner. And, and um, you know, it, it was, wasn't ideal. But having all those kids back this year has been fun. You know, you uh, there's a lot of things that you don't have to worry about because they just know now through experience. Certain things you don't have to explain certain things you don't have to cover uh, a lot of things about the culture of our team are set in place and uh, it kind of takes care of itself now. And so having that, that veteran leadership with a Stephania and, 
in Odora and those guys, they kind of get how everything works now. So that things go a lot smoother and then you can work on more advanced uh, concepts. You know, you can, you can move on from, you know, focusing uh, tremendously on fundamentals. And now you can talk about shot selection. You could talk about individual development more. And um, it's been fun in, in that sense. And, and that allows you to take another step to being a better team. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate that, that we have the teams that we have uh, players we have and that uh, we have people coming back and, and I'm hoping we can even do it again next year. You know, we're having a large returning group in the NCAA granting another year of eligibility to everybody. Um, you know, you could have this team again one more year. Yes, some great stories of, of perseverance on your team, too. I mean, I remember when Dora Golis hurt herself at, uh, I guess, got hurt at the XAT tournament a couple of years ago. And it was just a horrible ending to a game, you know. And But now she here she's back as one of the best players in the league. So what have you thought of just her perseverance to get back to this point? Yeah, she's a tough kid, and that's actually the second ACL in her career. She, she suffered one even before she came to Idaho State. She's actually set up to go to University of Maine. Um, out of out of high school, directly from Croatia, but then the ACL they sent her to JUCO instead and allowed her to open up a recruitment. But um, she's a tough kid. She loves basketball, you know, and she loves being in America. She loves the United States. She loves the culture here, and she wants to stay here as long as she can. <laughs> and and so uh, she's really pushed through a lot, and she's an amazing teammate, amazing supportive teammate to everybody on the team and she's just well liked by everybody and um uh tough kid tough kid and she's gotten older she's learned a lot and she's become a pretty big offensive threat um but I, it, it's it, it's interesting with our team you know you don't have we haven't won player of the week once this year right you know, because we've never had one player have two great games it, the ball spread around so much you know you've got dora has a great game and then uh, maybe the people cover her a little bit better. And then in Montana, Otrogi has a great game, you know, and then your posts have a good game. And so it's just, you know, everyone is averaging around close to double figures, you know, but no one's averaging the 18, 19, 20, you know, because the ball gets spread around so much. Just the complexion of your roster. I mean, you have young ladies from France and Spain and Australia and Croatia. A two-part question. How did the uh, recruiting process evolve to reach that point where Idaho State was able to bring in young ladies from around the world? But also, it must be a lot of fun to coach a bunch of girls from a whole bunch of different backgrounds. Yeah, the learning about the different cultures from around the world is fantastic. And um, what's amazing to me is how well they all get along, you know, and they're just, uh, even though they're from different places, they have similar personalities and similar goals and, and they operate similarly. You know, you're, you're if, to begin with, if you're going to come here from Australia, France, Croatia, Spain, um, you're a pretty independent person. You know, you're not scared to leave home, <laughs> you know, and, and you know how to take care of yourself. So you get these people who kind of come here all together and they really enjoy it and they enjoy their, each other's company. But um, a lot of it starts with Coach Ryan, you know, our, our associate head coach, Ryan Johnson. He's got a lot of international contacts. Um, you know, Diaba, I know some French guys that, that helped me with Diaba. And, um, you know, some of it is just coincidence. We saw this really good player at Western Wyoming Junior College, and it, she happened to be Croatian, you know. But it's also – so it's a blend of uh, some great recruiting contacts between Ryan and I, and then um, some of it is just coincidence. But uh, it's been fun. You know, we've been like this for a while, and um, yeah, learning about all the different cultures – you know, and how they operate and types of foods they eat and 
what they believe in. It's just been very interesting and, and fun. Sid Sobolewski joining us. He's the head coach for the Idaho State women's basketball team. They play Montana State in two games this weekend. So, Coach, let's talk about the matchups. You guys, it's fun because there's always sort of these rivalries within the league that maybe don't get the hype of the in-state rivalries. This isn't your in-state rival, but you guys have definitely had some battles. You and Coach Binford are two of the longest tenured coaches in the league. And, I mean, I remember some great games that you guys have had, whether it was the double overtime game and in uh, Bozeman a couple of years back or you know, tournament battles, you guys hit the half court buzzer beater to eliminate them when they were number one seed. So uh, when Montana state comes up on the schedule, uh, it, it must be a fun week for you. Yeah. You better be ready that week, <laughs> you know, and uh, you touched on it earlier. They've done a great job of being successful and having a really good team despite graduating a lot. You know, they only have one or two returning starters and um, you know, Darian white and Tori Martell are kind of the, centerpieces for them but they've got some youngsters who are stepping up some freshmen and sophomores who are playing well from them and she's playing a lot of people you know she's playing a lot of people a lot of people getting a lot of minutes and and it makes your prep a bit more difficult uh for substitutions but uh she's got a, a good team now i think she's got a great team in the future you know with all these you know six two kids six three kids that can shoot with length and um, you know, just talent, you know, you, you could tell she's got another championship in the making there. Last question for you then this weekend, what are the key factors to this matchup for Idaho State? Well, I, we, I think we just have to hold true to our identity and not think too much. We just got to go out and play hard and um, keep things simple. And, you know, at times in that Idaho game, especially in the fourth quarter, there was a lot of overthinking going on and, um, instead of just playing and keeping things simple and not looking too far ahead. And so we, we've just got to keep to our identity and play hard and and um, see, see what we can do. Idaho State, Montana State, this weekend, a battle for first place, considering where the standings are at. And I don't know if a lot of people thought the Bobcats would be in that position, but Coach, congratulations on your team's success and best of luck this weekend. And we hope to catch up with you down the road here, hopefully in Boise here in a few weeks. Uh, thanks so much for the hopefully, time. Hopefully, that's right. Hopefully. Cross <laughs> our fingers, everyone keeps testing negative. <laughs> that's no doubt about it. Thanks, Coach. We appreciate it. Thanks, Coulter. Senior Sobolewski, head coach for the Idaho State women's basketball team. Listen to Duwana is now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide, SWX Montana Television. We'll tell you how we're finishing out the week next. Hi, this is Kim from the Wingate in Missoula. If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, we want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, the Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula. Nuana is now 4029 ESPN Missoula as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for riding with us on a Thursday. Appreciate all the support, all the good feedback out there. 
It's been a lot of fun doing my own little radio show here. I hope everybody out there is enjoying it. I know we're doing a, a lot of interviews and trying to give you the best and the most diverse coverage of sports across the great state of Montana, across the Big Sky Conference, and everywhere in between. If you missed anything in today's show, it was a fun show. I enjoyed myself thoroughly. A lot of great guests. We really appreciate everybody for taking time out of their busy schedules to chime in here on Nuanez Now. We heard from Chris Cobb, the associate head men's basketball coach for the University of Montana. The Grizzlies are in Cheney, Washington. They tip here in about an hour against Eastern Washington, the first-place team in the Big Sky Conference. Sure to be a fierce and competitive matchup. I know the Grizz have been struggling a little bit this year, and Eastern Washington uh, has been surging. They're on a seven-game winning streak. That said, Montana has owned Eastern Washington, and uh, so much of the edge is mental. Montana uh, beat Eastern Washington twice last year, despite Eastern Washington being the outright league champions. I think that's why a lot of Fans in this neck of the woods around Western Montana had a lot of optimism going in the Big Sky Tournament for the Grizz last year. I mean, if you can sweep the number one team that went 16-4 and in league, then uh, probably have a lot of confidence going in the tournament thinking you can beat anybody, even though the Grizz did kind of stumble down the stretch last year. So it'll be interesting to see because Montana has proven when they play their best, and they usually play their best on Thursdays, they can beat anybody. They beat Weaver State last Thursday uh, before losing on Saturday. So the Grizz 5-1 and one on Thursday games. 0-6 on Saturday games. We'll see if that trend continues tonight in Cheney. Here in Missoula, there's a game at Dahlberg Arena. Lady Grizz are hosting Eastern Washington. Uh, to me, must-win games for the Lady Grizz this weekend. The Lady Grizz are alone in fourth place. Eastern Washington sits in eighth place. So when you got a team below you in the standings coming in, and you got a chance for your first four-game winning streak since Robin Selvig retired, you got to take care of business if you're Lady Grizz. And uh, I expect them to tonight, but no foregone conclusions. So uh, we'll see if they do. And in Pocatello, Montana State and Idaho State clashing in the battle for first place in the Big Sky women's standings. The Bobcat men and Idaho State men, that one has been called off. We also heard from Trisha Bitford from Montana State and Stephen Sobolewski from Idaho State previewing that game. And then, of course, like we do every Thursday, we had around the Big Sky and women's hoops with Krista Redpath, our awesome Big Sky Conference analyst. And Krista stuck around for a great interview with Meg Harrington. She is the uh, brain trust behind the house that Rob built, the great documentary about Robin Selvig and the Lady Grizz basketball team. That documentary will be out its world debut for purchase February 23rd, but you can get in on the pre-sale. You can pre-order the documentary right now as well. If you missed anything in the show today, you can go check it out on the podcast. The podcast is available on all your podcasting platforms as well as on our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.